Welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 164. I have no one syndrome. That's the title tonight. Now, I have no one syndrome. I have no one syndrome. And the reality is, I'm going to tell you up front that that's not true. But a lot of times when we're feeling that we're going through something extreme, we feel like there's no one there and you have no one. And I want to give you an example of something that I saw recently at the pool. I'm in a class in the shallow end and the kids that have been in that shallow end were all playing and having a ball. Well, the mom of one of those kids said, let's go. And so one of the young girls got out because all of her little friends were getting out. And she sat on the bench and she was fine at first. But as the seconds passed and she looked and found out, well, where's her mommy? Where's She didn't see her mom that she had seen minutes ago. And all of a sudden she was patient at first. But as the time kept ticking, she started unraveling and she started crying. Then she was bawling. Then she put her legs up and she started grabbing hold of herself as though everything was falling apart. And I was in the pool, but I learned to the other mom that just a moment ago had her kids playing. I said, look at this kid. She's freaking out. Well, long story short, they had the people at the center and then they finally found her mother and the mother freaked out like, why'd you get upset? You know, I wasn't going anywhere. But the, do- the daughter at the time was saying, you weren't here. I thought it was abandoned. Everybody was leaving and I didn't have anybody. So there are times, even as adults, that we go through some things and our behavior is almost childlike because as things are happening, you have that moment of fear unsettling you feel like something is not quite right and like a child you always feel like your parents have that covering of protection of knowing what's going to do what you're going to do where you're going to go how they're going to protect you and provide for you but sometimes even as adults you kind of have this false sense that something has gone so awry that you're messed up and your feelings and your emotions. So I'm going to share with you some scriptures where God tells us to have things like peace and a lot of the fruit of the spirit that we've been learning about on Friday with Pastor Watts. But when you're in the place where you're really looking to yourself and not looking to God, his glory and his promises and his his all-knowing, you start to feel the opposite of some of these things that they tell us. So let's read out of Romans chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to read it in the NIV. But then I'm going to show you what you're not when you're in yourself. And you're thinking about yourself being that quote unquote savior or that protector provider. Which none of us are. Verse 1 says, Therefore... Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Now, when you're going through upside downness, you're not in right 
mindset of who Christ is and you have him in this tiny box and you don't believe that he understands or knows what's going on with you. Here's the opposite of how you feel. You feel no peace. You feel like you don't have any access to God. He's not listening. He's not paying attention. You just can't get his focus. You're not a priority. Instead of standing, you feel like you've fallen. You feel like you're falling this on a constant basis and you're getting ready to hit the bottom and go splat. You feel hopeless. You feel like you're suffering and there's no end to this suffering. There's no, there's no relief in the suffering. Instead of having perseverance, you want to give up. And instead of feeling as though God is poured into your heart, the Holy Spirit, he, you feel like you're poured out in self-pity. You're just pouring all of the self-pity in and it's coming out of your pores, it's coming out of your behaviors, it's coming out of your mouth, it's coming out of your head being held down. And you're starting to have the I have no one syndrome. Well, let's go to another scripture that's so like what you see in Romans 5. Let's go to James 5 and let's start with a few verses and we'll go verses 1 through 8. The reason why I'm saying what God tells us is because he tells us the truth, but Satan is a liar. He lies. He whispers all of the doubt and unbelief and I can't have any of what God is promising because guess what? I don't have God, I don't have family, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have no one. And that's a lie from the devil. It's from the pit of hell. Here's James chapter 5 verse 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, when you're upside down, the people that you meet that don't trust God, don't believe in God, doubt, 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 distrust, 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 they don't have joy. They have sorrow and doubt and unbelief. They're facing trials and they can't see any upside to the trials. All they see is, why is God doing this? I'm mad with God. I'm angry with God. And all of this thing they think is some kind of, of thing that God is going against them. When God is testing their faith for them to have the perseverance to learn, stay with it. Stick with what you understand of God's promises. Stick with his truth. Learn that he's going to be trustworthy in everything that he says in his word. And this thing about finishing the work, we have a lot of people that say they love Christ and they start something and they never want to finish their ministry. They never want to find out what God has next for them because they're quitting on what he's asked them to do. They don't even want to do it half the time. And when they do start, they're like, oh, this is too hard. 
This is pushing me in, in ways that I don't want to be pushed. This is stretching me in ways that I, I don't want to be pushed. This is taking me out of my personality, my comfort zone. Wah, wah, wah. Self-pity, self-doubt. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And guess what? Instead of having maturity and letting God complete that work and lacking nothing, there are immature babies. We have so many crying, whining babies in the congregations that are supposed to be learning to have this faith. Even the size of a mustard seed, God says. He didn't even say size of a mountain. He said size of a little tiny mustard seed. But we have a lot of immature babies in the church and a lot of people that are not mature and they don't want to get mature because guess what? If they're mature, they won't be hopeless. They won't be crying. They won't be sassing the pastor when he says, let's have some faith, let's learn, let's study, let's, let's do what God says, let's go and evangelize. But here's the thing, God says in verse 6, but when you ask, talking about when you go to God, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. But guess what? You go to God and you don't believe what you're even asking for. You don't believe what his word says. You don't believe and you're doubting before you even finish saying in Jesus Christ's name. You already got yourself. I ain't going to wait on God. I'm going to figure this thing out myself. And your girlfriends and your boyfriends going to say, oh, yeah, you don't need to wait. You need to go figure this thing out. You need to let yourself figure it out. But here's the last piece. God says that verse 7 says that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord because the person is double minded and unstable in all they do. Now we're going to go to the subject matter of where I got the title. We've always heard. We. I'm sorry. This is Milkshake Monday. It's a podcast. Um, yeah. You, it, you, it, it was James chapter one, right? James chapter five, verses one through. No, that was not James chapter five. I mean, James chapter one. Yeah, James chapter one, verses one through five. Phone two eight. Excuse me. James chapter uh, one, verses uh, one through eight. So John chapter five. The man at the pool of Bethesda. We hear about the story, but I want you to key in, knowing what you just read and heard out of Romans chapter 5 and James chapter 1, I want you to look at what you see transpiring in a conversation between the man at the pool of Bethesda, we don't have his name, but Jesus Christ. And before you get to John 5, I want you to recognize that in John 4, Christ had just had a one-on-one -on -one with the woman at the well. That there was a transformation at those people because of her testimony and what God had spoken to those people that lives had been changed. Well, as you transpire in, in, John, in uh, John 4, there was a healing of a man that heard that Christ was in town. And he had a very sick son. And what you see right before you get to John 5 is that Christ... Hearing that this man wanted him to come to his house, he spoke a word and the son of this nobleman was healed. And when the man was returning back to Capernaum, he had one of his servants meet him and said, your son is, is better. And, and the guy had to ask him, when did this happen? What time did this happen? And they told him the time and he recognized that it was when Jesus spoke the word had spoke the word. Now, when you start to transition into John 5, you just had what happened into John 4, 
happen. And so when you hear the words that they talk about, John 5, it says, sometime later, after all this had happened, sometime later, we're starting in verse 1 of John 5, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there's in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is in Aramaic, it's called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered conolades, or they say porches in other translations. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Now, in verse 5, we're going to get to where I got the teaching, I have no one syndrome. Verse 5 says, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, can I ask y'all something? The reality is many people, even on the podcast and Facebook and on the phone, not a lot of people can go 38, 38. A lot of people aren't in their 70s or 80s or 90s or 100. 38 years is a lot of time. In 38 years, many of us have gone to school, maybe finished high school and college, maybe gotten married, got your jobs, had children. Uh, A lot of things happen in 38 years. That's a large span of time. In 38 years, this man that we're talking about has been an invalid, has been in a disabled position that long of time. And what you're going to see as we continue reading these scriptures is that the Lord is going to realize that this man has been in his condition for a very long time. And what Christ asked the man versus what the man replies, I want you all to see what you see transpiring that we just read in Romans 5 and James 1. Look at what it says in verse 6 of John 5. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, all of you hear this question. Christ has realized he's been there a long time. He sees him visually. He sees the man. And you all know how Christ is divine. He has deity, but he's also in that human body. But he sees the man and he's questioned to him directly, do you want to get well? Now, the man, normally if somebody asks you something like that, especially if you've been sick, you're infinite, you're paralyzed, you're blind, and they said, do you want to get well? The first question, as you hear it, the answer that would come back is yes, yes, please, please, yes, yes, yes. This man doesn't answer the question that Jesus poses to him. And some of us, Christ wants to know, do we want to be made well? Do we want to be made whole? And if he asks the question, he has the ability because of his deity to actually answer and respond to our our request. But the man doesn't answer that question. Instead, he does like many of us. He's going to give information that Christ didn't ask him. In verse 7, he says, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one. Was that the question? Did Christ say, who do you have? 
He says, do you want to get well? He replies, I have no one. The someone, the only one, the great one, the almighty one is the one. But he's telling him to his face, I have no one to help me. Now, if you read those words and Christ is coming before you asking you, do you want to be made well? You're not even answering. Yes, I do. You're telling him the excuse for why you don't think you have what you need, what you have gotten uh, the condition to be changed. You're already telling Christ, I don't need to answer your question. I'm going to tell you what I think the situation is. I'm going to express doubt and unbelief and distrust before you even try to say anything further than ask me, do I want to be made well? He says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. That's his response to you want to be made well. When Christ says, do you want to be saved? You want to say, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that, that. I don't think I have to do all that. No. Do you want to find yourself in heaven or in hell? He tells you, I am the free gift. I am the, I am the son. I'm the only way to the father. And many of us are answering, I have no one to help me. And Christ is saying, I am the one. I'm asking you the question because I have the ability. I have the everything that the Father has given me is to come and to help you. Not just with your being an invalid, but your sin state that's going to cause you to be in damnation. But he throws back in Christ's face. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I am trying. See the eye syndrome that we have? While I am trying. Christ ain't asking you or me what we're trying to do. He knows what he can do. He knows what he's already done. But we're throwing back, I'm doing this. I'm trying to fix my circumstance. I am trying to be the savior of myself, my kids, my family. But I'm trying. But guess what? When we try, we fail because we can do nothing apart from God. Without God, we can do nothing. But this guy says, while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Verse 8, then Jesus said to him, he disregarded all what he said because he already knew, do you want to get well? God never said, I want to get well. He just told him all the problems that he's had, all his circumstances, but Christ understands his condition. And he says, then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He didn't even answer Christ's question, but Christ understood his need. Christ understood his condition. That was his physical condition of invalid, disabled. But Christ understood he needed to be healed. Even though the man never acknowledged the question and answered it in the affirmative, yes, I want to be made whole. I may not want to be made well. He says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now, what you may find it strange that the, the scriptures immediately start to transition because after that miracle of life-changing effects that Jesus did, there's some negativity. There's immediate offense that the traditions of men come in. Because guess what? They're going to start talking about the Sabbath. 
But God, the Sabbath is for the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, Christ is holy. Christ performed a miracle there. But the people who supposedly were the religious leaders of the day didn't want to praise God for the miracle. They wanted to be upset about the fact that their traditions were being dishonored in their sense. And look what happens. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Verse 10. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed. So they recognized this man who 38 years, I'm sure, the folks of the town and the places understood that man had been sick and lying in that state of being an invalid for all those decades. Not one day, not two weeks, not seven months, not 10 months, 38 years. Their first reaction is not, hallelujah, God almighty. They go to, I got to criticize this guy. Because he's not following after our traditions. And they said. The Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed. It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Put, put a pin in that for a second. The man hasn't been able to walk. Has been lying on the side for 38 years. And the first thing you say is the law forbids you to carry your mat. He hasn't been able to carry anything. He hasn't been able to walk. And your first thing is, you, you're not supposed to be doing that. You, you're breaking our traditions. You know that's wrong. Instead of, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done to this man. But verse 11 says, but he replied, meaning the man had just had a supernatural miracle that was walking and carrying his mat. The man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And guess what? He did what Jesus said. Some of us have to get smart and do what Jesus says. Even if you're going to be picked on, do what Jesus says. He says, verse 12, so they ask him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? Now, y'all know he's in Jerusalem now. Y'all know that Christ and what was happening, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all over these different little towns that Christ and his disciples were walking. The, the fame of who and what Christ was doing was being known. And they asked who? How many who's have been causing the lame to walk and the blind to see? How many who? Who is this fella? Really? But then verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was. He didn't know. But those people that were the Jewish leaders should have known. But they said he didn't even know. For Jesus has slipped away into the crowd that was there. But verse 14 is key. Later Jesus found him at the temple, the man that he had just healed. And he said to him, now remember the question he asked that the man never answered? He asked him in verse 6, do you want to be made well? Jesus uses those same words back to the man he just healed. He says, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. That interaction of recognizing who Jesus was made him well. But look at what he didn't have before he met Jesus. He was hopeless. He said, I don't have no one to help me. 
he didn't know about Jesus. He didn't have faith. And even if he didn't know about Jesus, he should have known about the Old Testament. He should have known about God. He should have known something about faith. But he had he was hopeless. He didn't know the truth. He didn't have the belief. He didn't have the trust. But yet he met God and his life changed. And some of the people that are going through that, I have no one. I don't have a friend anymore. My brother's died. I don't have a confidant. My spouse has died. I don't have a this. I don't have a that. People have left me. I'm in the hospital. I'm all by myself. I don't know where to turn. I don't all this. I have no one to help. You are believing the lie of the devil. The Lord is our strength. He is our companion. He's our friend. He's our savior. He's our Lord. He's our comforter. I wanted us to read a passage in John 14 because John 14 talks about when Christ is about to leave and he lets us know he doesn't want us to be orphaned and he says he's going to leave but he's going to have a comforter. So some people try to lie to you say, oh, you ain't got nobody. All your family's dead. You old. You by yourself. Who gonna look after you? Because you just don't have nobody. You gotta say that's a lie of the devil. Because I have Christ. I have the Comforter. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are always with me. He said He never leave me or forsake me. He said I'll be with you till the end of the age. That you have to listen to what the devil says and say you are a liar. And you gotta start speaking the truth of what God's word promises you. So let's go to John fourteen. John 14, let's begin at verse, we're going to start at verse 16. You need to read all of John 14. But John 14, verse 16 says, this is Christ speaking and talking to his disciples and talking to us. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Forever is ever. Forever is ever. So you can't say, oh, he's not here today. Forever is forever. Amen. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. You can be what you think is physically all by yourself. But if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit is a helper, a comforter, and he's with you and he's in you. And you're not by yourself. So you can't be alive. I have no one. I have no one is a lie from the pit of hell. It says verse 18 of John 14. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I remember being a young child and my daddy died when I was like 10 years old and I felt like I was an orphan, but I had to learn about the word of God to say, no, I'm not. I have the father, son, and Holy spirit. I'm not by myself. If my mama were to go and go home with the Lord today or tomorrow, the father is with me and his son is there at the right hand and he has the spirit of God with me and they'll never leave me or forsake me. And look what it says. A little while, verse 19, a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my father. I am in my father. I am in my father and you in me and I in you. So 
I wanted to end tonight with this last scripture of Psalm 102. Now, I know I have people that say they love Christ. And I know that even as Christians, there are times where you have sadness and devastation and uncertainty because of many things. All of us are different. You know, what we experience in the United States of America is not what somebody like my brother Makala will experience in India or somebody will experience in Africa or somebody will experience something in another part of Asia or Europe or wherever around this globe. We all are experiencing different things. But we that believe in the truth of God's promises, we have his word and we need to stand, not fall down, but stand on his word. When you've done all to stand, stand some more. But go to Psalm 102. We're going to go to a few of those verses. Because every opportunity God is saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. You Go to Psalm 139. Where can you go that he's not there? Everywhere God is telling you, don't believe the lie of the devil. But look at what this scripture says in Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me. In the day that I call, answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke. This is somebody going through, y'all. Y'all think it's, it's just you. But this person who's writing the scripture is telling you they're going through something. You're not the only one. You're not the only one that's going through something, that's going through pain and suffering and anguish. And God is telling you, don't be hopeless. Don't lose your joy. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your trust. This psalm is telling you, this brother is telling you, I've gone through too, but he's crying out to God. Instead of crying all the pity party, oh, I can't do, I can't trust, I can't believe I'm hopeless, I'm just falling down. I have no one like that man at Bethesda say, to help me, you got to understand, God has provided the helper. God is the help. And he says here, verse 3 of Psalm 102, For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned like a hearth. My heart is stricken, and with it like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. Y'all know some of y'all so sick and hurt and confused and feeling all that stuff you can't even eat. You're going to skin and bones. And that's what this guy's talking about. Because of the sound of my groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I lie awake. Y'all can't even sleep. This person is showing you in the scriptures, you're not the only one. But he's crying out to the source of his help. He's not saying, I have no one to help. He's crying out to God. He's saying, hear my prayer, oh Lord. Y'all got to start saying to God, help me, Lord. Ask forgiveness from the Lord and cry out to God. He says here in verse 7, I lie awake and I'm like a sparrow alone on the housetop. Some of y'all think y'all alone, but God is with you. My enemies reproach me all the day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me. For I've been eaten like, eaten ashes like bread. Now I can't read all this because of time. But I want y'all to read the scripture. Read 102. Read Psalm 139. Read the scriptures. 
He's our ever-present help. And I know that it feels like the days are going by fast, and they are. But guess what? God has given us time to repent, to seek his face for salvation. There are people that say, I had a, a dear person that I know he needs the Lord. He needs salvation. And he's getting closer and closer to having this illness take him out. And he said, I ain't afraid to die. He's not understanding the penalty of death without a relationship with Christ knowing you and you knowing Christ and your name being in the book of life is eternal damnation. This ain't no game. We have to be serious to understand who Christ is and know that we need him to wash away all of this sin. I was going to take you all to the scripture that talks about that Christ loved us even knowing all of our sins. Knowing all of our sins, he chose to come. He chose to give his life for our salvation. It's free. It's a free gift of, of God. But guess what? It cost Christ his life. He freely gave his life for our salvation. We have to realize that there's a help. But we, gotta, we can't think that God's going to get off his throne and do it our way because that's not how God works. He's a jealous God. He is the sovereign Lord. But we have to recognize that we have to repent before him. And the only way we can get to the Father is to the Son. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through the Son, Jesus Christ. Y'all can believe all this foolishness on Facebook and Instagram and all this TikTok crap out there. That is a lie from the devil because the devil wants people to be in that lake of fire with him. And if we don't start speaking the truth and love to the people that we meet, strangers, I don't care who they are, we have to share with them the true testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and how important it is that they need to be saved not tomorrow, today, because no man knows that hour that God's going to call him home. He knows, but we don't know. And you don't want to find yourself taking that last breath in this natural plane and find that you don't know God. Because it ain't no, it ain't no redos. When you go, you either know Christ or you don't know Christ. Kiss the son lest he be angry. And if you find yourself, you so foolish in this natural life that you don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then there's eternity separated from God because God is holy and we cannot come before him in the sin that we have without the blood of Christ that had no sin, washing it away, washing it away. I just pray that something has been said tonight that would help you realize your need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that when you go to say I have no one. You hear that's a lie. I want you to hear me scream. And say that's a lie from the pit of hell. We have Jesus Christ. And we have the comforter. The spirit of truth. In our lives as Christian believers. I love you and Lord willing. I pray to see you next week. But until then. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. With everyone you meet. Because the word of God says the harvest is ripe. But the labors are few. Let's join the labor force for Jesus Christ. I love you and God bless you.